Philip spoke last night about the importance of a refined intention in our breath meditation, of course, in every aspect of our life, but particularly in this practice. And I thought I'd just share a story from my own experience about how important it is to understand this factor of mind. I began uh, doing concentration practice, I think in the late 90s uh, or so, really found it valuable, did a number of retreats for about 10 years. My main practice focus was deepening in concentration in its various aspects. And then a number of years ago, went to sit with uh, Park Sayadaw, the meditation master we've spoken about a lot, who is um, one of the most respected teachers in this area and teaches a kind of uh, breath meditation that's very refined and a state of jhana that's very deep. So I went into this retreat knowing a little bit about his style of teaching and uh, the kind of uh, jhana that he was pointing towards. And he himself is a very kind man. He's only about five foot tall or something, but he's this little package of metta. But, but uh, you get interviews every day and all he cares about in the interviews, in the beginning especially, is how long are you with the breath? And if you say five minutes, he says, try for 10. If you say 10, he says, try for 20, until it goes up and you know you get to some state of stability with the breath. So your interviews, I think I've mentioned, can be very short. And there's definitely a sense of that's all he cares about. You know, he's quite kind and everything, but... He's waiting until you get in the territory where it starts to get interesting for him. So, yeah. Um, And so I was doing my practice, having had a lot of experience with jhana practice and even taught jhana, uh, taught concentration and taught people jhana, knew a lot about relaxation and ease, thought I was doing that. And his method of being with the breath, it's at the nostrils, it's very refined, it's very subtle. And that's what I thought I was doing. And the, in his schedule, the sittings are all one and a half hours long, and they go up from there. So there was just a lot of sense of, you know, the importance of this quality of being with the breath and the continuity of being with the breath. After some time, this was a month-long retreat, I forget when, where, again, I thought I was just being in this very refined, precise way with the breath. There was this moment of clarity where I just saw how much striving there was in my being with the breath. That I was actually being with the breath in order to get concentrated, in order to have something good to say to Park Sayadaw the next interview. Once I realized that, I just felt the body consumed with striving and with contraction and tension. I mean, it was so clear, and a moment before, I hadn't realized it. But because my intention was to be with the breath in order to get concentrated, in order to have something good to say, I created this whole very, very subtle level of striving that was actually really impeding my practice because I wasn't coming from this place of relaxation and acceptance. So I really had to, the whole thing just kind of fell apart. I had to start again from this very open, spacious place. I had to go out for a walk and find the breath again in a way that was more comfortable, 
in a way, as we've said to you over and over again, I allowed the breath to come to me. And I saw the importance of doing that over and over again. I had to find a way to fall in love with the breath because doing it out of the intention of just wanting to get concentrated, it got me a certain way. But you can never continue to a deep, the deeper states just through that kind of intention. So it can get very subtle. This is a kind of disturbance that I was talking about in my talk the other night about um, looking for subtle and subtler and subtler disturbances. I hadn't even noticed. This wasn't even on my radar until somehow it just occurred to me that this was happening. I had a sense and intuition that it was happening, and in, in opening to it, it was so obvious. So how to find a way to be with the breath to have the intention to be with the breath, just to be with the breath, just to be with the breath as it is. And again, for me, it's not like I have to keep reaffirming that with every breath, but that that's the overall intention or aspiration. This sense of delicacy, of presence, of allowing, that just lets the breath be as it is, and our connection to it, one of intimacy, not one of looking to get something out of the breath, out of the experience of concentration. And this is something that we can always refine, always refine, because the the disturbance, the sense of striving, actually, as the mindfulness, as the breath gets more quiet, it also gets more subtle. So it's something we can always be checking in with. Am I just, can I just be here, just in this moment? Just okay with however the experience is. Not moving forward, not pulling away, but just right here. So I I invite you to explore this quality of intimacy without expectation as we practice today. So, as I said, for me, it was really helpful to start with this very spacious awareness of the body. So again, if you're in that place, to refine it, if you want to sit more comfortably, but just allowing the body to sit in a way that feels easeful, that feels kind. And using the breath, using the breath to just Soften the body, release tension. The breath is the beloved that has this soothing, harmonizing capacity. The breath reaching into every part of the body, so this spacious awareness of breath. Breath in body, body in breath. using the breath to relax, using the breath to energize the posture, straighten it a little if that's necessary. Just sitting and knowing that you're breathing. Sometimes even in the bodily posture we can feel the relationship to the breath little leaning forward, 
or perhaps a slumping away from? Can the body itself represent a wise relationship to the breath? It's upright, dignified, yet at the same time content, relaxed. And then just allowing the breath to come to you in whatever way it does. Could be staying with this broader awareness of breath or refining to some particular location. But having some awareness of the relationship with the breath, the attitude that you're bringing to the meditation Can there be this surrendering to the breath and to this moment? Just breathing to breathe and know you're breathing. It's the ultimate act of simplicity, expression of life, to just be breathing. But can we have this intimacy with the breath that allows for continuity, a sustained connection. And noticing if any kind of tightening or agenda comes in and being willing to relax, to soften, to open, to start again, to see if we can re-invite the sense of contentment, of openness, finding a way again for the breath just to come to you in this gentle way. So we do this over and over again, kind of recalibrating, reorienting, our willingness to do this is what allows the meditation to deepen, become more effortless, continuous. And of course the mind wanders or the body finds itself in struggle. Just finding a skillful way to relate to that. Not bad or wrong that that happens. It's the nature of mind and body. How do we work with that, open to that, include that in our experience of breath? In some ways, this practice is the ultimate surrender, ultimate renunciation of all of the different distractions and ideas and other experiences. Just this intimacy with the breath and this soft, receptive, but continuous way. 
this quality of intention of how we're relating to our experience is of course not only important as we sit and uh, with the breath but in all of the different activities of the day and uh, so it also applies in the walking meditation I know some of you struggle a little bit with the walking and it can be because our idea of what walking should be is conflicted or we have some ideal about it that our experience doesn't match up to. We get bored, we get distressed or contracted. So to see again, to see if you can clarify if you've been having any difficulty with the walking or find that you're not doing it uh, regularly, what's, what's your relationship to it? What are you expecting out of it or not expecting out of it? And can you come to it with some sense of freshness of just walking and breathing? And by this point in the retreat, you might find that your relationship to it has actually changed. And so to really be in touch with that and to to align yourself with that. I spoke uh, in the first day about doing the walking meditation with this sense of... um, 50% of the awareness with just the body as it moves and 50% with the breath. By this point in the retreat, you might find that ratio has changed. And again, you need to feel into what's right in each walking period. But there can be times when it's all breath. And you can be in what we call the breath bubble, where it's just that sense of breath while you're sitting, breath when you're standing, breath when you're walking. You can't force that unification of attention, but to have an awareness of the possibility or incline to it or check it out can be really helpful. So just to see in the walking meditation, can there be a little more sense of of continuity? And it's one of the wonderful things I like about this practice is the simplicity of it. In Vipassana, we're always changing the focus of our attention, you know, to hearing and to sensing and tasting and moving. Here it's just breath. Again, I said about surrender. It's really surrendering to the breath, just breath, but with this sense of relaxation. So again, you can't force this, you can't hang on to the breath like a life preserver, but bring the breath with you in everything that you do. So a little slowing down is usually helpful um, in this. doesn't have to be, you know, going at a snail's pace, though if that feels right, that's fine. But just a little slowing down. And then the whole retreat becomes this beautiful, graceful dance. And it actually becomes an act of grace. As everything, as Philip used that lovely poem last night about the butterfly, unhurried. So there's just this sense of presence and breath, presence and breath in everything that we do. Again, not struggling or striving to get to that, but it's more of an invitation or it's more of a settling back. Because as we keep saying, breath is there. You know, you don't have to go get the breath. It's here. We just need to connect with it. So finding a way to refine that a little as you practice today bring an easeful, easeful sense of presence as you do the walking meditation, finding the pace that really works for you as you go back and forth. And just, again, inviting the relaxation, the simplification, seeing if there can be that way of presence with the breath that's easeful yet intimate. This is the, the balancing. Any questions this morning about practice? Yes. 
So her comment is that uh, she has a good connection with the breath, is continuous with the breath pretty much through a sitting, doesn't want the bell to ring, a lot of relaxation, but actually in that feels dull and even tranquilized. Concentration practice, especially with the breath, is by its nature, that's its intention, is calming, but it can almost have a, a hypnotic kind of effect. I mean, this is, it's really understandable. When you see, it's like a lullaby. You know, we're in this soothing rhythm, and all of the analogies with the, we, that we've been giving are on this end of soothing, relaxing. And yet there's obviously a balance. Philip spoke a lot last night about energy. Our practice ultimately is all about balancing the factors of awakening. And there are three arousing factors and three calming factors. In the, um, in the factors of awakening, though, the, the arousing factors, one of them is investigation or interest. And we don't want to do that so much through... Um, in this practice, because we just want to be with things as they are, so we're 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 left more with the the, ener- the energy and the pity. And it's not that you. It's not that you can necessarily. I encourage you to talk to your teacher more about how you might arouse more energy, sort of in an individual way, rather than speaking to the whole group. But the the qualities that bring energy in this practice are the vitaka and vichara. It's just a little more clarity. On the, on the actual recognition of, of the connecting. And it's very subtle. I mean, it sounds to me like you just need the subtlest of adjustments to bring a little more clarity in. Um, and when you say, what can, you said something like, what can I do with that? To really trust that this kind of relaxation, even though you, know, it's, you say, say dull, but often we say that because we're not used to this level of calm that the depth of calm that's possible through this practice is profoundly deep. And again, I don't know your individual experience, and it would be helpful more to talk to a teacher to, to clarify that. But we often have some idea of what it should look like, and if ours doesn't match that, we can label it as calm, I mean dull or even boring or, or not, not what we're looking for. But I, my sense is it's just a little bit of balancing that needs to happen, a little bit of more clarity, um, with the arousing factors, if there is any sense of pity, that, that kind of energetic, in concentration practice, one of the interesting things we do, we don't just say, oh, that's just an impermanent thing, you know, let it go. It's like, oh, here's this relationship to experience, that the pity is strong. To invite that, not in a, trying to grasp onto it or hold it, but really a, a sensing that that's of, of value. 
So it's just the subtlest inclining of the mind. If you notice the mind literally going to dullness, and you can feel that, just to straighten up a little. You know, it's where you are in your practice, it's a beautiful place. So just these subtle adjustments. Even asking this question might be enough to have dropped a little bit more energy, and I'm sure you can feel it right now. So just, just to, to know you can just have these subtle adjustments that might be helpful. Okay. Yes. So his question is um, changing objects of, for concentration, basically changing the focus. He used sound this morning, it made him very relaxed, and then the breath seemed more relaxed. So is that cheating in some way? You know, as I think we've said, you can get concentrated on objects that are changing extremely fast. It's called kanika samadhi, moment-to-moment concentration. It's what we develop in vipassana meditation or mindfulness meditation with a sense of opening to all of the arisings at the six sense doors. You can get very concentrated in that way. So it's not cheating in a way, but there's just an understanding, and it's you know, supported through the text, that a simplicity of focus allows a deepening in a different way, or especially allows a deepening to jhana that doesn't so easily happen with the changing object. With the changing objects, the, just the um, recognition of impermanence and all of those other things that brighten the mind and are wonderful to notice don't lead to the kind of tranquility we were just talking about in the previous question. It's a kind of tranquility of mind that we're looking to cultivate. So again, you know, there's never a, oh no, oh yes. Some teachers would say, no, you know, this is your focus, this is what you have to stick to. And we've just realized it's, it's too tight for a lot of people, and that doesn't serve, because you said that was a beautiful doorway in. And in the same way, we've been encouraging a very spacious, relaxed way that could include sound, but then you simplify and come back to your chosen place of attention. The direction in tranquility practice is always for simplification and steadiness. You use the different tools, the imagery, the felt senses that we've been talking about. I kind of consider them training wheels. And in the beginning, you really need them. And whenever you need them, you need them. But when you don't need them, it's much better to be, you know, just in that simple relationship with the chosen vehicle for concentration. So... If sound is a way in for you, yes, but again, what we can find if we open that door, and again, I'm not saying this in a way of not doing it, but, oh, the breath is not, I'll go to sound. You know, and there's just that kind of escape clause of not refining the awareness with the breath. So it's always an exploration. You know, we've, again, we, you might see, you know, we never say, no, don't do it like that, only do it like this. But it's got to be, again, looking at what your intention is and what you're looking to cultivate and what's supporting that and really seeing for yourself the unfolding, you know, what happens when you begin in that way and does it lead the mind to get a little slippery? Oh, but what's happening with that sound? Is it still going? You know, just that kind of 
escape clause that the restlessness can use to take us away. So it's, a, it's an experiment. It's always an investigation. Yes. Right. And um, I'm wondering if what this means is I'm subtly watching the breath, and not just watching the breath, but controlling the breath to the point where it has to liberate itself because I'm constraining the flow of oxygen. Is that a warning sign? Yeah. So the comment or question is uh, he noticed the breath getting very subtle, very, very, very slight, and then all of a sudden he'll have to take this big, deep breath. And does that mean he's controlling the breath and making it more subtle? I actually don't think so. I mean, I can't know what your exact experience is, but this is somewhat common. I mean, I think it's actually very common. The breath does tend to get shallower, does tend to get more diffuse. It's just naturally, as we're sitting here, we're not doing very much. The body doesn't need much going on. And you probably heard stories of, you know, yogic people who can completely control their breath and heart and all of these other things in the body that we often think are not in our control. And what can happen as we're moving into that territory is, um, I think it can happen very naturally, but sometimes there's just a little imbalance that the breath gets more subtle than the body actually needs the body needs more than the breath is allowing. It's, I don't think it's necessarily that you're controlling it. It's just as we move into that territory, there's a little bit of exploration that needs to happen, not consciously, but just the body figuring out how to be in this very relaxed, calm state. And then it gets to some trigger point where it says, oh no, not enough, and it has that response. I d- as I said, I doesn't, don't think it necessarily means that you're controlling it. It's the body responding in its own way to this, Um, relaxation that perhaps it's not familiar with. Over time, the body gets to trust or know, you know, what kind of breath is necessary or or works or responds to this configuration of mind and body, and there can be a real ease with that. So for the moment, you know, not much to do with that. I think it's fine that it happens that way. And just to, you know, have that quality of trust, the body will take care of itself. You will keep breathing. You know, even, you know, I've sat here and there's no breath, you know, I can't, but I know I'm breathing. And just, I think Andrea was talking about that, refining the mindfulness to meet that. And so that's a part of what needs to happen is the mindfulness just relaxing enough with that. So it's not tied around it, but just, it's okay. The body will take care of itself in the breathing. Okay, we need to finish. I'm sorry. Um, so just one announcement, uh, Andrea had some changes in her interview times this morning, so if you're scheduled to see her, please check, because I think uh, one or two people have to change, so just refresh that. And uh, we're on the interview cycle, where everyone will, have, will get by the end of the retreat three interviews, so make sure you're checking the board um, regularly, get an interview every other day. So... 
it's another beautiful day to practice mindfulness of breathing. And the good thing about saying that is it's always a beautiful day, no matter what the weather, but it is a beautiful day, so it's even more doubly uh, helpful just to have that sense. We're so supported here by these conditions. To have the opportunity to practice for this length of time, the dedication, the support of Sangha, the Dharma, the teachings, really to let that carry you as you stand up and go out and do your walking. Find the breath in the midst of these bountiful blessings that we're all part of, all experiencing. Have a wonderful day.